Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be the host for today's podcast. And we're talking today with Amy Rotering, who is an associate attorney at Mundal Law. How are you, Amy? I'm doing great, David. And we're talking today about mediation. And I know you want to expand on that, but if I can just sort of take it from my layperson's point of view, I understand that mediation is when two parties get together and they try to come to some kind of a compromise with the assistance of a mediator. Is that more or less correct, Amy? More or less, David. That is correct. It's a form of alternative dispute resolution, or what we call ADR. It helps parties who haven't been able to resolve differences on their own, but they don't want the court to make the decision either. They want to keep that decision-making within themselves. And it's a voluntary process where, yes, they are in a room or a virtual room these days with a neutral third party who has a trained mediator, and they talk to the mediator rather than to each other, and so that helps diffuse the tension, and it helps the parties move forward and reach agreements. Right, because I can see if they're opposed to one another, depending on whatever the situation is, looking at one another and trying to communicate effectively can be somewhat difficult. And so that's why you need that mediator there. Correct, David. Exactly. So if we have the two parties and the compromise that they're trying to make and a mediator, what role would an attorney play in that situation? Great question, David. When two parties decide to attend mediation, one of the decisions they make is whether or not they're going to bring an attorney with them to represent them at the mediation. So either one of them or both of them can have an attorney with them. Is that what you're saying? That's correct, David. Okay. Is an attorney absolutely necessary for mediation? Great question too, David. I want to be clear that an attorney is not necessary for a mediation to happen. However, there are three reasons that I believe that having an attorney represent someone at a mediation can be very helpful and even assist in the outcome of the mediation. So three main reasons why it's good to have an attorney with you at mediation. Let's just start with reason number one. What is that, Amy? First reason, David, is knowledge. There's a saying that goes, you don't know what you don't know. And what that simply means is, for example... I know family law, but I don't know how to change a tire and I don't know anything about cars. So if my car needs help, I bring it to a mechanic and they fix it. And so an attorney can fill that same role within the realm of a mediation. What I mean by you don't know what you don't know is someone going into mediation might not understand the consequences of a decision they make. So for instance, a lot of times people go to mediation to work out a parenting time schedule. And that's a wonderful way to use mediation. 
But a lot of times what happens is there's ramifications for working out a particular parenting time schedule. There might be child support consequences. There may be tax consequences. And I'm not trying to say that those are more important than your parenting time schedule, but what I'm saying is you want to make sure that you understand what it is that you're mediating and the possible consequences of the decisions that you're making. So each individual aspect of the agreement that you're trying to mediate needs to be approached very clearly. And you're saying that the attorney can really help with that decision-making process. Correct, David. And there's also collateral decisions that need to be made when working out one area that's in dispute. So for instance, using the parenting time example. Sometimes people are so focused on working out that schedule, but they also need to think about who's going to provide transportation. How are the parents going to communicate if they can't make it to a parenting time exchange? Things like that. It all depends upon how well the parties get along with each other and how far down that road you need to go. But it's better to have that worked out than to come back from the mediation. Now the mediation's over and you're exercising that parenting time schedule and all of a sudden these other issues come up that you didn't resolve. An attorney can see that ahead of time and help parties work through those other collateral issues so that you come up with an agreement that actually works for you and you don't have to go back and try to figure it out later. Wow. When you explain it like that, it really seems like it'll really assist the parties who may be a little emotional to really make some clear decisions about even the different aspects that they need to look at and consider together. That's absolutely correct, David, which brings us to our second reason. Okay. What is reason number two? Reason number two is that mediation is an emotional process it can be very stressful for parties. They're talking about things that are very difficult to talk about. You know, in family law, people are dealing with their family and their finances, which are two of the most personal topics that a person can have. And it's hard. And you're coming into a room with someone that you may have a contentious relationship with. I mean, even if you are amicable, you're in this room because you can't agree on something. And a lot of people have never been to mediation before, so they don't know what to expect. It can get tense. A lot of times people that I've helped through mediation will sometimes want to enter into agreements that aren't in their best interest because they're in this situation and they want to be done with it. And they'll say, just go with what they want because I just want to be done. I hear that in every mediation. And so what a lawyer can do, they can talk their client through that process and help them kind of see the logical side of it, the factual side of it, because we're not emotionally involved. And we can help kind of diffuse some of that tension for our client, even if it means telling the mediator, I think my client needs a break, and just to help them get away from the situation. So we can help guide them through that process and keep them steady, so to speak, so that they can concentrate and really hang in there until they can get an agreement that works for everybody. You can really see how during those emotional times, they might make a hasty decision the way that you described it. And it does make sense that someone who's less involved would be able to assist in calming things down. Are we sure we're covering all our bases? That sounds like what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, David. Well, that certainly sounds like an advantage to have clearer heads present to calm things down and make sure that you're still covering all the bases. So then what is reason number three? Reason number three, David, is that the goal of mediation is to come to an agreement and not just an agreement, but an agreement that is understandable and enforceable. So maybe you could clarify for us a little bit. What does that mean, understandable and enforceable? 
Sure, David. When people go to mediation, they often spend, especially for family law, these folks have been working hard for four to five hours to reach an agreement. And when that happens, it's incredibly satisfying. And we want to make sure that that investment of time and money is preserved. That investment is preserved by putting all of the terms of that agreement into writing on a piece of paper that can be easily understood by both parties so that each side knows what their responsibilities are. And the other part of that, David, is if it's in writing, then it can be enforced by a court if it needs to be. So if something goes wrong in the agreement, if it breaks down and one of the aspects of the agreement isn't being followed through with and it might need to be litigated, there's something in writing that the court can follow. Is that what you're saying? That is correct, David. I mean, the whole idea behind mediation is to avoid having a court decide. That piece of paper in writing is more or less a substitute for a court order. It still has the enforceability of law, but it's decided by the parties instead of by a judge. It holds the parties accountable. I mean, parties are more likely to follow the terms of their agreement, first of all, if they know what they are. After four to five hours of mediation, if it's not put in writing, it's highly unlikely they're going to remember everything that they talked about. And then that money was wasted. And that's just such a shame. You're much better off having those agreements written down. Doesn't a judge or a court have to sign off on the final agreement anyway? That depends, David. So if both parties have an attorney, what will happen is the attorneys will draft it into what's an enforceable court order. And as long as both parties and both attorneys sign off, the court will usually sign it without having to hold a hearing. Now, the judge can in their discretion if they feel like something is amiss about the agreement. But in my experience, that almost never happens because there's a lot of back and forth that goes on between the attorneys to make sure that the agreement reflects what the parties reached at the mediation. And so by the time you have a draft that's ready for the court, that's the value of having an attorney. The attorney will convert that agreement into a stipulation and order that not only reflects the agreement, but contains all of the required legal language that a judge needs to see in the order in order to make it enforceable, if it needs to be enforced. Well, those sound like very good reasons to have an attorney with you, should need be, for uh, mediation. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Amy? Yes, David. I just want to respond to someone who might hear this podcast and think, well, of course you want an attorney at your mediation because that's how attorneys make money. And that is certainly true. I do make money doing mediations. But David, my goal is to add value because it is true that mediation does cost money. But what costs even more money is having a mediated agreement that wasn't written down or it was drafted poorly or it didn't contain all of the terms that needed to be included. And now they have an agreement that isn't enforceable. They can't use it. And then they end up having to see an attorney to fix it. So if people think that having an attorney at mediation is expensive, it doesn't cost nearly as much as having to fix a bad agreement. Because you might be back at the drawing board and back in mediation again because something broke down based upon any of those reasons. Correct, David. Or worse, it, it could go in front of a judge because the parties might not be willing to go back to mediation at that point. Oh, and then you might have trial and... It could just go really south. It, it just escalates really quickly. It's just better to do it right the first time. At Mundo Law, that's what we like to do. We like to do it right the first time. If a person goes to mediation and they have a good mediated agreement drafted by an experienced family law attorney, it's done right the first time. If you have 
a mediated agreement that's not in writing or was poorly drafted or didn't contain all the terms that needed to be included because they weren't thought of at mediation, then you have an agreement that's great, but it's completely unenforceable. And then what happens is the parties end up fighting again and they have to start over from the beginning. So yes, while it is true that it does cost money to bring an attorney with you to mediation, what's really expensive is when an agreement is not written down, it's poorly drafted, or it doesn't contain all the terms of the agreement. That turns into something that's just not really useful to either party. And they may end up having to go either back to mediation or they're going to end up in court. That's where things get really costly. Having a good, experienced family attorney with you at mediation in the long run is going to save money because it gets done right the first time. All good reasons to definitely consider having a good family law attorney with you at mediation. Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you, David. It's always a pleasure. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundall Law website at mundalllaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.